Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative, and Derek Bailey is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth, I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning or good day. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, we would, you know, we always talk about our great city and everything financial. Do you know how much the poverty rate has on the impact of education in our city? Well, 61% of the homes in poverty have no books for children. And this is an issue that contributes to the success of that child. The question is, how much of an impact does that literacy really have on the future workforce of Memphis, Tennessee? Well, in our first segment of today's program, my guest, Donna Gaines, president and founder of Rise to Read and the executive director of Care of Vocal Sing, she, they're going to talk about really understanding this issue and what is a solution to literacy in Memphis. You don't want to miss this part of the program. In the second half of today's program, Derek Bailey will tell us about two important issues to deal directly with the workforce in Memphis, saving for college and saving on the cost of college. You do not want to miss either one of these programs. This is very important because it's all about Memphis. You know we love our city. That's coming up, of course, uh, in the second half of the program. From our Did You Know files, the Census Bureau has a new statistics that you're going to find to be interesting. For the first time, at the end of 2017, there are more millennials. That's 83 million millennials in the United States. More than, of course, the past ruling group, 75 million, the baby boomers. So welcome to the title, millennials. Glad you finally passed us, and I'm sure you're going to tell us how to run the country in the future. So that's good for us. That's great. The Federal Reserve has published a credit card debt, published a statistic about the credit card debt, and it's about the U.S. says $1.03 trillion, $1.03 with a T, trillion. In February of 2018, we passed that number. The highest it had been is 2008 in May, and it was $1.02 trillion. So we're borrowing money. Is that good? Is that bad? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Gallup Research has stated recently that 46% of Americans have no money invested in stocks today, either through the ownership of an individual stock, an equity mutual fund, or through their holdings inside of their pre-taxed 401k or 403b retirement plan. Well, is it good debt or bad debt? Student loans fall into that gray area. We'll find out a little bit about that. The debt should pay for itself if you get the job. Well, according to Mr. Paul Sisolak, about 10% of those at recent graduates get out of college and don't get a job. They're still unemployed one year later. Coming up, Donna Gaines, Karen Vogel saying we're going to be talking about a rise to read. You don't want to miss it. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point. 
time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back to Talk Money. I am Jim Shoemaker. I have two great guests in the studio today. Donna Gaines, president and founder of Rise to Read, and Karen Vogelsang, executive director. They are here to tell us about a great program that is impacting our city in a phenomenal way because we have to deal with an issue that is just reality, and either we deal with it or we decide it's just going to go away on its own, and it's not. It's called poverty. It's called children. Can you imagine being a a third grader, and you're in school, and you know you don't know how to read, and you're beginning to fall behind, and no one's doing anything to help you? You go home. Nobody's teaching. Nobody's spending the time. and, and, And you want to read. You want to do better, but you just don't have it. Well, that's what these two ladies have. This is their passion. They're both educators. Uh, I'm actually going to say, guys, welcome to the program, and I'm going to let you tell me about your <laughs> your credentials because they're numerous. But guys, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Jim. We're very grateful for the invitation. And I am Donna Gaines. I have a master's degree in education from Texas Women's University, taught school for several years, also worked as an educational diagnostician that uh, did testing to qualify children for special services. For special services. Yes. Karen? Karen Vogel saying I have uh, been teaching for the last 15 years in elementary school. I've taught first through fourth grades. I have a master's degree in elementary education, national board certified in early childhood. I was blessed to be the 2015 Tennessee Teacher of the Year, and I currently serve on Governor Haslam's teacher's cabinet. All right, I got to ask the question. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I can remember some great teachers when I was coming through school, and some of those could have easily been Teacher of the Year to me. I remember them, you know, they just... They were those teachers that have impact. Right. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And by the way, you can. I'm now past education age, very much so, and I still remember their names. That's I right. mean, they still have that. So tell me what it means to be teacher of the year. For me, the I, I had no idea that I was even nominated uh, for about a week, and I never, ever imagined that I would become the Tennessee Teacher of the Year. My prayer was just to be one of the nine finalists because I wanted to be a voice for teachers. I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to share their voices to make sure teacher voice was heard. So, And that prayer was answered. <laughs> Well, obviously, because uh, not only did you allow people to hear what you were doing, but then now now is the executive director for Arise to Read. Uh, the impact is phenomenal. And so we're excited about what you're doing. Let's talk about poverty and the impact in education. Donna, help us with I mean, That is so important. We take it for granted that kids learn to read, and yet that's not happening. You're exactly right, Jim, and it's especially impacting those children that are in poverty. And Memphis has the highest child poverty rate in the nation of cities of one million or above. Currently, 44.7% of our children are living in poverty. And this is important because a child in poverty by the fourth grade is already, on average, three grade levels behind their more affluent peers. So that child you were talking about in third grade that recognizes he or she cannot read, they're becoming frustrated. And at some point, they're going to give up. And they become a behavior problem, and eventually, probably a dropout. You know, one of the things you were, you guys, when we were talking about the program, that sixty-one percent of the homes in poverty right. don't have books for Correct. their children. And is that because the parents don't see the importance? They can't afford it. 
or, or what? I mean, we have a great library, or is it just something that it, it's just not on their minds? It's not on their minds to a large degree, but also in Tennessee, we have many programs that provide books for families, but because so many of them are transient, they don't update those addresses. If a family's evicted and they're leaving quickly, they only take what they can get into their vehicle to transport to wherever they're going to live. So books and those kinds of things get left behind. But the reason that statistic is so important is because that's the statistic that most closely correlates with reading success, even more so than the parent's education level. Now, let's make sure we clarify that. If the book is in the home, it correlates to a reading success That's of a exactly child. right. Children need to have literature to be able to read, and they need to be able to read even when they're not in school. In the average middle-income home, there is, on average, 13 age-appropriate books per child. But in poverty, there's one age-appropriate book for every 300 children. Wow. Karen, when, when we talk about the power of this what Rise to Read, give me, give me the take of what this one-on-one tutoring. I know that there's a volunteer, which we want to make sure everybody knows. If you want to know more about how to volunteer, stay with us. We'll give you some data on that. You don't want to miss that. The bottom line is volunteers make this program happen. It doesn't just happen because two ladies are committed to it. Obviously, they're making a huge push, but it's the people on the ground. It's exactly. the ones in the boots. It's the one in the chair with the students that really make the difference. But Karen, help us with that. When we talk about this one-on-one tutoring, what does that mean? I think the most powerful part of one-on-one tutoring is the relationship piece because that's where it all begins. It's that old saying that somebody doesn't really care what you know until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And I think having spent 10 years teaching in Frasier, one of the, the most powerful lessons I learned was that I had to build a relationship with my students first. Once I built that relationship, then learning happened naturally, and it was, it was kids got excited about it. That's what's happening in this one-to-one tutoring session. So t- describe that for us. What does that one-on-one tutoring look like? Uh, Donna, I mean, if it's, if, it's, if it's a person who's teaching the child, I mean, there's a way you go about this. Correct. It's not just standing over somebody, because I can remember my mom. <laughs> my mom spent a lot of time. You know, I was one of those kids that really, I started first grade as a five-year-old, right. and I didn't just jump up and read. I mean, you know, and but I had a very dedicated parent that my mom, and then it was amazing. I have to tell you the story. It was amazing. I was struggling. I was not a good reader. I went to visit my aunt and uncle in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The whole family did. We walked into the Museum of Natural History, mm. and I saw a dinosaur. Mm. And all of a sudden, I wanted to read everything yes. I could get my hand. <laughs> so I went from no reading to a sixth grade reading level just because I found something that was interesting. Right. And it, it, and of course, now I have parents that were saying, oh, he's reading. Let's get him. Let's get him. So it's one exactly. book. And so that took to the library and go through that. But if you've got this one-on-one volunteer, and you said relationship, Karen, that is so critical for us to understand. So when that relationship's being formed, how does the child really learn to read? Well, they learned to read by using the Fry Sight Word List, which was developed by an educator, Edward Fry. It's 1,000 words that the child should know on sight. And the first 300 of those words comprise 67% of the vocabulary the child will encounter in reading at school. So it is imperative that they have those foundational words down. It's basically broken down to about one to 100 words per grade. So word 100 is the beginning of first grade. So our volunteers work with the children on the Fry Sight Word List five words at a time, but we also include comprehension. So we're working for literacy, word recognition, but also fluency and comprehension. 
fluency, comprehension. If you just tuned in, my guest today, and you just need to understand, Donna Gaines and Karen Vogelsey, they're the president and founder and executive director of Rise to Read, or Rise to Read. Now think about it. It's a, it's a ministry or a program to impact our city. Two things. It teaches a child how to read, and ultimately, which is a part of Superintendent Hobson's Destination 2025, Correct. it affects the workforce, and that right. is so critical for our city, and we either get involved and be a part of it or stand back and watch it happen because it's got to happen and these two ladies are pushing the dial they're making it happen when we talk about working Karen with with their spending the time one-on-one building the relationships as you said using the fry method and where you're teaching them to memorize words is the critic person going to say well they're just memorizing words but are they learning to read yes (laughs) they are well there's a protocol that we're using. It's the team read protocol that the children and the volunteers are working together on. And so it's not, they're, they're going through these, this very deliberate series of activities. And what's happening is the children are getting repeated exposure to those words. But not only that, they're playing games with the volunteer. They're really having a fun time learning. And in that, in the course of doing that, they're all, we're also able to identify if they understand the use of that word. So it's not just a matter of them memorizing a word. They're actually learning how to master the use of that word. So I understand the words, what you're saying. Yeah, you have to understand. Give me an example of a word. Give me an example of what you're teaching me. I'm the student. I'm going through this problem. Nobody's at home helping me read. You're my volunteer. Uh, So here I am. And so I've got a memory. Am I working outside of this period of time with you or to memorize this or how do I learn to do this? So let's let's use a really good example. One of the words on there is write, W-R-I-T-E. So if I say to that student for them to use that word in a sentence and they say, I got the right answer, then I know they don't understand the correct use of that word. Uh, so I'm going to also have them write that word down on an index card, a dry erase board. We have games in there. We've got markers, highlighters, colored pencils, crayons. So they're going to be able to get creative, too, when they're writing those words down. But I'm going to tell you, Jim, I want you to take this word home, and I want you to practice this word, and I want you to come back next week, and I want you to use that word in some sentences for me. And so nine times out of ten, that kiddo will come back the next week because they want to please their coach. Yeah, I'm sure. We call them coaches, not tutors. This this third grader is obviously wanting to learn and wanting to, to work with what's going on. And, and I mean, they're not... They're not at that stage where they're in school saying, you know, no, don't teach me this. They're at this point really wanting to learn and wanting to work through that process. All right, ladies. Now, here's the question. I mean, everybody's an educator here. You two of you have got <laughs> master's degrees. I'm trying to decide if I would have liked y'all in school. Probably would have. Probably <laughs> you would have loved being in school. I'm sure the both of you would have had me on the front row, though. No question about it. No question about it. So you're teachers. You're educators. I'm a businessman. How does a guy like me... Get involved. Talk about the the non-educator, because, I mean, you need volunteers. You're talking about a massive movement. Exactly. This is not a this is not a few people trickling in. Right. You, you have so much of a demand. I mean, talk about the demand, but talk about how you use non-educators. 
We use non-educators, and one of the beauties of the program is that anybody who can read and has a heart for children can do this because it is not using phonics or anything you'd have to have an education degree to do. We're just teaching children basic sight words. Anybody can do that, and the format is laid out for you. It's even broken down time-wise, how much time you spend on each thing that you do with the child. But as Karen was saying, that relationship that develops is absolutely crucial. We watch those children light up when they come Mm -hmm. into the room and see their coaches, Mm -hmm. and part of what we do in training our volunteers is to impress upon them the importance of being there every week because those children look for them and they count on them. And many of these children do not have an adult in their life that follows through on commitments. So it's very important that we do that. All right, Karen, you've got my attention. You guys are doing a great job. Now, I need a telephone number, and I think I got it, 901-347-5579. If I make a call, I want to volunteer, Karen. How do I? What happens? You know, are you going to ask me to give you blood? You <laughs> no, I mean, no, 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 no. What's going to happen? No. I want to volunteer. I know people are listening right now, thinking, you know, this is what I need to do. This is a ministry. This is a program I can do. That's I right. don't have to go paint a house or something because I can't do that. But I can teach people how to read. How do Absolutely. they do that? Uh, well, you can call three four seven five five seven nine as a start. Uh, you can visit our website, arise to read.org, and it's A R I S E, the number two, read.org. And you can sign up and come to our kickoff on August the 7th, and it's going to be at Bellevue Baptist Church. And we will have a fun time learning how to implement this program. We'll give you an opportunity to look at all of the schools that we're going to be serving children in uh, in the coming year, and you'll have an opportunity to pick what school you want to go to, and you can make a difference in a child's life in a very powerful way. Way. Your kickoff is August the 7th. August Correct. 7th. We'll have you guys back on to talk more about that when, when it gets Love time. Love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank uh, you. One, of the, one of the things, and if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Donna Gaines and Karen Vogel saying they are with the Rise to Read, a movement in the city of teaching poverty-stricken kids. And I don't know if I should say poverty-stricken. They're in a situation where it's very difficult. We have people from the uh, Leadership Foundation that come on, Larry mm-hmm. Lloyd. We have Effie Johnson that comes yes. on, and we talk yep. to her. We partner with Effie. We, I know you do. <laughs> and uh, Angel Street with mm-hmm. Jill Dyson. And we, we talk about our city. We love our city. We're in, we are passionate about our city. And the reality is we have to do something about our city. Right. We can't just passively let it go. And this is a program teaching is it all third graders or is it second grade? Second grade. Second grade. Second, you have to be at a third grade reading. Level. Correct. That what so so that's start? our goal to that's target your... second grade to get them on grade level by third grade. Okay. So we're talking about this power of one on one tutoring that makes a difference because the volunteer steps in, builds a relationship, and teaches a child to read. What's the obstacles? What are the? What do you got to have? A few problems, issues, roadblocks. Time. Time. <laughs> time. God only gave us twenty four hours. What are you guys wasting time? The is demand the... is so great, Jim. It's honestly, it's it's a struggle for us to keep up with it. We have principals who literally call us weekly, begging us to get adopters for them. We are currently in twenty eight schools in Shelby County with over a thousand volunteers Did that you we're see overseeing. That when you started this. Did you envision? No, that? we were going to go after one school, Treadwell Elementary. <laughs> which is our pilot school. And Treadwell was on the priority list, which is the lowest 5% in the state. And they were actually an I-zone school, which means they're the lowest of the low. Mm. Last year, Treadwell Elementary was taken off the priority list because of increase in their achievement test scores. And year before last, when the 10 Ready test crashed, you know, Mm -hmm. and they had to end up throwing the data out. And they only looked at second grade because that year the second graders still took the the preexistent achievement test. They received a state report card 
level five. So they went from a two to a five, which is as high as you can get based on the second graders increase in the achievement test scores. That shows you the power of the program. So if the program is having the impact, can you give me a direction? I mean, where... What's the next five years, 10 years? Where are we headed? What's what's Well, the we're partnering with Shelby County Schools and Superintendent Hobson and his Destination 2025 plan. And the goal that we most closely, obviously, connect with is the 90% graduation rate. Research has shown children in poverty who read proficiently by the end of third grade have an 89% graduation rate. And that's what we're going after. And that changes their life. Changes everything. Changes everything. Well, yeah. and we're educating our future workforce. Yes. And that's something that, you, that everybody listening has got to understand. I, I can't say this enough. You either have to say, I am going to be a part of something and I can have an impact, or I'm just going to pass it up and let go do something else or not. When we bring a program like this, it's met our smell test. It's gone through our vetting that we're saying, here's a program that is directed at people, for people, and not just the directors that set it up. Leadership Memphis, you've talked about before with Larry Lloyd, Rise to Read. Here, you've got these guys. Angel Street with Jill Dyson. We've talked about all kinds of pro. Effie Johnson with the National, with the Christian Community Center. The bottom line is, this is a program that is dedicated to touching, as Karen said, building relationships. The telephone number, 347-5579. Give them a call. Go on the website, rise to readcom O-R-G? That's correct. That's O-R-G. It is an education program having an impact on our city, making something happen, and not just being a passive onlooker. You are going to be a volunteer that has an impact on a student. And remember this. You remember that second grade teacher? Well, you could become that coach that that kid remembers when they graduate, and you had such an impact on them because you spent some time with us. Let's uh, come back. Go ahead, Donna. I'll give and you that all chance. it costs the volunteers one hour a week. One hour a week. Well, we're going to come back, and I was going to tie all that together for you. So we got. <laughs> I want to really find out a few things. I've got a couple of questions together. We're going to take some time here to do something. We'll be back in a second. But you're listening, of course, to KWAM 990, The Voice, FM 107.9. Donna Gaines, president and founder of Rise to Read. Karen Vogelsang, executive director. They're having an impact on our city. We're telling you how to give become a volunteer. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Neither Securian Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Donna Gaines, Karen Vogelsang, or Arise to Read. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, you've been listening to Donna Gaines and Karen Vogelsang with Arise to Read. You're finding out how much poverty has an impact on education. 61% of the homes in poverty have no books for children, and this contributes to their reading success. We're talking about a program, a ministry that is having an impact. It's going to have an impact not only for teaching that child, but ultimately the workforce in Memphis, and that's critical for our overall city. We love our city. And when you think about a child who's in that second grade who's learning to read because a volunteer is taking their time to spend time with a child to teach them to read, what kind of an impact can you say to our city? But think about it this way. What kind of an impact is it on you, the volunteer? Karen, help me with that. You've got, you know, the biggest need. I mean, you know, is it financial or is it really what? what tell me what it, what's your biggest need? Uh, you know, the biggest need, Jim, is warm bodies. Mm-hmm. We need everybody in the city of Memphis, in Shelby County, to lock arms together 
because we either rise together or we fall together. I have always told my children when I taught school that if they can read, they can choose to be anything that they want to be. But we have to join together. We've got to lock arms together to make this happen for the children of our city. They deserve it. You know, that's so critical. My mom, as I said earlier in the program, spent energy, got me involved ultimately to the reading. And now today I read about 20, 25 books a year. And I wouldn't think of not reading. Exactly. And, I, you know, I went for a period where I began to listen to books, you know, to, mm-hmm. all that was great. But that's not reading. Right. <laughs> I that's hate right. to tell you. That's, right. that's okay. I don't like <laughs> it. But but I the reading of a book, yes. the having the book, holding the book, mm-hmm. taking the, I can't imagine not having the ability to do that. We're yeah. talking about a huge impact on a second grader. Yeah, and absolutely. I just think that's critical for us to do. Absolutely. Donna, what do you see? Well, I, I want to go back to the stat that you quoted about 61% of homes in poverty not having books for children. We're trying to help change that in Memphis. Last year, we gave away over 10,000 new books to the students in our program. This year, we'll be giving away almost 20,000 books. At the end of the year party for the children in May, they all receive a backpack, and each one of them have six books in it, a summer workbook, the 1,000-word fry sight word list, as well as a parent guide with suggestions for the parents on ways to help their children. Research shows that if a child just reads six books during the summer, they may maintain their reading gains. So we're making sure every one of those children has six so books for the get summer. The six books. <laughs> I, you know, I hate to do this. I'm going to pause just for a second because I was headed in a direction, but I want to ask the question, what happens to the parent? I mean, the parents all of a sudden, are the parents readers? Or are the parents not readers? Many times they are not. Uh, sometimes the parents working a couple of jobs and they're just not, they don't have the time uh, to read with right. their child. So we tell the children, read to a sibling, read to a stuffed animal. Yeah. Just read when you get home. So that that's crucial. And the parent guide gives suggestions for the parent because sometimes it wasn't modeled for them. Right. So they need somebody to break it down for them and give them some helpful suggestions the vast majority of parents want their children to succeed. They just haven't been equipped to help them do that. And you're doing the equipping. We're, we're seeking to do that. Well, that's, uh, you know, if you just tuned in, I've been talking to Donna Gaines and Karen Vogel saying with Rise to Read, uh, the telephone number, if you want to become a part of that, uh, 901-347-5579. They have a kickoff banquet coming up in August the 7th. Did I say it right? Kickoff? Is a, it's actually a brunch. We brunch. do it in the morning. Correct. Let's make yes. it a banquet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Banquet's fine. Whatever you want to call it, Jim. <laughs> uh, you talk about warm bodies. Donna, you need financial help and businesses? Of course, yes. And we're partnering with businesses now. And last year, we had a pilot with a business adopting one of the elementary schools. Diversified Conveyors and Barnhart Crane joined together and adopted Alcee Elementary and allowed their employees time off to go tutor an hour a week. And they did an incredible job. In fact, their children averaged learning over 400 words. Word 400 is the beginning of fourth grade. These are second graders. And on average, the children had a 400-word game. Well, we're talking about success. Donna Gaines, Karen Vogelsang, Executive Director, and uh, Donna Gaines, President and Founder, Rise to Read, 347-5579. They have been here telling us about this program. You... The volunteer needs to get involved. We thank them for being a part of the program. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you, Jim. You You know, if you just tuned in, we're going to be back in a few seconds because we're going to continue to talk with this guy that's uh, going to tell us if you're going to get to learn how to read, maybe you're going to college. Well, how do you save for college or how do you save on the cost of college? Derek Bailey, Bailey, he'll be with me. He's going to be talking about those topics. Thank you for listening because we're coming back in just a minute, so you don't want to miss it. Coming up, it's going to be Mid-South History Moment and uh, you don't want to ever miss that. That's always a good program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. 
If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Memphis changed forever in 1909 when W.C. Handy first came to Bill Street. A song originally written for E.H. Crump's mayoral race established Handy as the first blues musician when the sheet music was published three years later under the title Memphis Blues. After his parents wouldn't let him buy a guitar, Handy devoted every spare moment of his time to playing a cornet. As a young man, Handy worked odd jobs and played in orchestras from Alabama to Indiana until forming a successful band in 1893. But the constant touring and low pay wore on Handy, who traveled with his band until they finally settled in Memphis, where through his writing and playing, he fused his own African-American heritage with American culture as a whole. His music brought people together, and his popularity spanned across racial divides in a radically new way. Although Handy rests in peace today, he lives forever in the Memphis blues. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. Uh, just a powerful program today. We've been talking, of course, with Donnie Gaines and Carol Vogan saying, Rise to Read, don't forget to be a part of that volunteer program. But now I've got Derek Bailey, and the question that so many people ask is, all right, I want to go to college, or my kids want to go to college, so how do I save for college and saving for the cost of college? As I told you earlier, is you know, do you have that debt, that student loan? Is it good debt or is it bad debt? Well, student loans fall into that gray area. They can be considered good debt because the money you're borrowing is to attend school. If your ticket to earning a degree is getting hired to a well-paying job, is getting a college education, well, maybe that's the good part of that debt. Here's the problem. The debt should pay for itself. But if you end up, as Paul Zizelak says, your 10% of those kids that are recent graduates age 20 to 24 remain unemployed after graduation, maybe it's bad debt. Maybe you shouldn't. Well, whether it's good debt or bad debt, it's not today's program. We're talking about planning ahead, thinking about it, and making sure that if your child wants to go to college, that you can save for college. Derek, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, you talked about <laughs> preparation for today's program. I uh, We were asking you, you know, just, okay, when did you start saving? I loved your answer. What was When did you start saving? When we first saw the ultrasound with the kids, we got triplets. So well, that, That's enough right there. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, we started saving immediately, and we were fortunate in that regard that, um, you know, over time, because we had a long runway, uh, we weren't landing on a an aircraft carrier. We were more or less landing on long runway, like at uh, Memphis International. There you go. We were able to save money, put it away, and and fund and put three kids into college. So here's the problem that so many patient, parents think about, and, and I mean, according to Gallup, you know, you talked about this that between 2001 and 2015, that there, the chief financial concern for a lot of parents was to simply to say, and Gallup's coming out with this. My biggest concern is my child's education and paying for that because they would like to not have that child come out of college with either them having a debt or their own personal debt. Correct. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, you see some of these student loan debts coming out, uh, and they're they're kind of like you said, they're they're unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very tough. Can't find a job. Can't pay it off. Um, so it's a big concern for the parents, and the parents want to be able to, the best they can, you know, pay for that so they don't fall in that situation. Well, I was uh, reading the article by Mr. Zizelek, and he made a comment in 2016, $1.2 trillion was the student loan debt in our country. And that's a lot of money. It is. And, uh, you know, you have to think about that. So the average cost of tuition and fees is going up, and so that's, that's continually pushing us forward. What's your thoughts on this? Um, you know, I think back whenever I was in school and cost of college, of course, I had a little bit of a discount because my father was at the university, working at the university, okay. but I don't think it costs us more than maybe 800 to to $1,000 a year. And if you look in 2014, uh, we're looking at about 8000 per year for public school, 22000 out of state and 30000 for private. But now you can look, it's close to 100000 for four years of public school, nearly 170000 for private. Um, so, or excuse me, for out-of-state students. So it's very important for these families to start planning early, if indeed that's what they want to do, pay for their kids' college. But what tends to happen, uh, and we work with a lot of families in this regard, is they may get started, have good plans, good ideas, but life happens. Uh, next thing you know, you got to put a new roof on the house, or you got to buy a new car. So that money that you were looking at contributing to college now you, you haven't done that, and you get to ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and you figure out you got a funding gap. Mm. And so at that point, our discussion generally with people that we work with is a, a transition into, well, how can I save on the cost of college because now my time for funding is over? Yeah, you know, that's a real dilemma for some people, too. And I know you, you were talking about these statistics of $100,000 for four years for a public school and one hundred and seventy for out-of-state. And I know that comes from an annual survey of colleges, and it's something we didn't just pull out of the air. Yes. So with people facing that, I mean, I can see why we're over a trillion dollars. in it. I mean, $100,000 for an education today is enormous. And I mean, when my kids went through, I mean, we had done the same thing, almost the same thing as the ultrasound, working <laughs> to do that. I mean, really, I have two daughters. They were not triplets. But uh, that's an issue. And so how, what is the wake-up call? Because you said, you know, you get into that point, you run into this dilemma, you've saved some money, but the roof or something. I know you counsel a lot of people with this, and, and this is not an easy discussion, because if I ask most most parents, they want to say, I want my kid to go to college. I want to give them that opportunity. Whether they're college graduates or not, they're striving to for that betterment for the child. And they're in a real frustration. You can sense that they're frustrated or you can sense that they're just in this terrible problem or feeling that they're not accomplishing a goal. How do you handle that? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the conversations we have with parents a lot is it's kind of, you know, giving away the now for the future. So, you know, do you want to take that vacation? Do you want to buy that new car? Uh, Those kind of things you got to do without sometimes in order to, you know, put money towards college. But I tell you, on a broader scale, what I have seen is a renewed focus and a renewed energy into trade schools uh, and to getting, you know, technical certifications and those kind of things. You look at, you know, Tennessee Promise Program, mm-hmm. uh, renewed focus on that. And in talking to some high school principals, a lot of parents have become interested in that route as well because um, those are good-paying jobs, electricians, plumbers, those kind of things, a big focus on that. You know, too. you talk about that. Recently I was talking to someone that is in the business, and they, 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 they're running a plumbing company. They're very, it's a very mm-hmm. successful company here. 
Uh, and uh, he said, I can't find plumbers. Uh, and I mean, good, you know, he said, this is the first time in his 40 years, basically, of running a very successful plumbing company. He said, I have a shortage. And he was now going to high schools Mm -hmm. and the principals were inviting him in to talk about the career. And it was, um, I won't mention the school, but it was the school that not only were they inviting plumbers in, but the electricians, I mean, they were saying, talk to the kids about this career because no one tells them about this career. It's Mm -hmm. always got to go to college. So planning is about education, not just college. Correct. You don't necessarily have to be going to a university uh, from a planning perspective. And, and again, when the market creates a void, it creates an opportunity. And for those kids that are looking for that opportunity, they can take advantage of that and, you know, get those tech degrees. And All right. We've be. talked about saving, you know, mm-hmm. getting the money, setting aside, being disciplined with that. And, and but, you know, there's this, this whole idea of most money that you save for college can easily get distracted, and that's a frustration for mm-hmm. a lot of people. But what about saving on the cost of college? That's a that's a different thought. It, it, it is, and it's something that there's not a whole lot of education on. Uh, as we're going out and talking to these different families about that very concept, a lot of them don't know anything about it. And um, you can do, and we run different reports for families in different schools, and you can do some comparison shopping among schools. Uh, some schools will give out more grant money. Uh, some schools, everything, with well, the majority of it is loans, which you, if you can, you want to avoid so you don't have to pay back those loans because right. you don't have to pay back grants, scholarships, things of that nature. Um, some schools have a lot more merit scholarships than other schools uh, have available. And so if you can qualify for those kind of things, you can really bring down the cost. Moreover, depending on what the balance sheet is of the parents, what the balance sheet is of the student, you can change things on your balance sheet to lower your expected family contribution. So FAFSA, the form you fill out for federal aid, uh, there's also a thing called the CSS profile, which the schools, some of the schools use to figure out federal aid. Uh, they calculate and come up with what the family's expected family contribution is supposed to be. But if you have some assets that count against you, and some don't even figure into the formula, so if you're looking at qualified retirement accounts, uh, that doesn't count. Life insurance doesn't count the cash value that's in the life insurance. Annuities don't count. But you see a lot of families, as we were talking coming over here, because of 2008, a lot of them are sitting on cash. Cash counts against you. And moreover, you have high incomes, that counts against you as well. Uh, because, they, you know, according to the formula, that's expected to be paid for college. You know, when you when you think through that process, and I liked what you were saying, that if they just do their homework. But, you know, that's a difficult thing to manage. I know if, if you, you've been several high schools now mm-hmm. and you're introducing some parents, you've done a lot of seminars. If you would like to have Derek to come to your high school or to your church or to, you know, just to, to, to help help you and help other people like you to know more about saving for college or saving on the cost of college. His telephone number is 757-5757. Just call him and ask for Derek Bailey and say, you know, I'm interested in the, the education thing, saving for college or saving on the cost of college. I know, Derek, you talk about the, the basic characteristics that someone should look at or look for when deciding the, the right saving vehicles. And I think mm-hmm. that's critical for we need to cover that. Let's cover a couple couple of those, and we'll take a break and come back, but let's cover a couple of those. What are some of the basic characteristics? Well, I think the one that's most popular now is uh, college 529 plans. That's the one you hear the most about. We get asked about those quite a bit. Uh, great thing about 529 plans, they don't have necessarily contribution limits. 
um, there are gift tax considerations because the money that you put into the fund 529 would have a gift tax uh, over the annual exclusion be 15000 You can use that against a lifetime exemption. I don't want to get into all that. That's complicated. Uh, but the best, best thing about it is it's tax deferred and you can get the money out tax free. So that's a popular one. And the parent can maintain control over the money. So they can, you know, decide where it goes and whatnot and how, they, how it can be used. Okay. But it needs to specifically be used um, from a tax perspective to get tax free for college costs. All right. Let's, uh, you're listening to Derek Bailey. Of course, I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking about saving for college or saving on the cost of college. Now, we're going to try to give you some very fundamental things when we come back. Fundamental statements as far as what are the things you should be looking for, whether it's a 529 plan, a Coverdale you know, scholarship, whatever it is, what are some characteristics that you should look for? There's about four or five of them, six of them. We're going to make sure we cover those for you. You'll want to write them down. It'll be a filter that you can walk everything through that you're thinking about, and it'll help you make a decision. You're listening, of course, to The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990 Talk Radio for Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good, good. Man, we've had a program that's just running fast and furious today. But uh, my guest, Derek Bailey, is talking about a subject dear to everybody's heart. If you have children that are pre-college and you're thinking about college, and we talked earlier that you want to avoid, is it good debt or bad debt if you got debt for college? Well, it could be good debt if you've got a great career and you move in and you're making a lot of money and you can pay off your school loans, no problem. But if you end up in... Uh, you know, it's bad debt if you don't have a job that's paying back your loan. So we're trying to tell you, let's avoid that if we can. He's got some ideas on how to go about doing that. We talked about earlier being disciplined, setting aside the money, and uh, you can't have cash in your account. That puts a real big problem for you if you're trying to qualify for some type of program that school may offer or the state may offer. But so what kind of program should you be looking for? Well, I've got Derek. Derek, Derek, you, I know, I know we talked about this, and I want you to be very specific with this. Because you need to write these things down, everybody that's listening. You need to pay attention because we're talking about how do you go about this process? What should you look for when you're deciding on the right college savings plan? In other words, don't just go at it blindly. Don't just let somebody dictate to you what you're going to do. Pay attention, do some studying, and here's some characteristics you should be looking for. Characteristic number one. Control. Did you as a parent have control of the account? As a as a parent, that you control the funds, they're your 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 money, uh, and you can do with it as you wish. Um, so that would be the number one thing. And again, getting back to the five twenty nine, you have control in that kind of plan. So that would be so uh, one you, characteristic. If you're going to have control, that's a, if you if you want control, make that a characteristic of whatever program. And some programs you may not have control. That's right. If you lose that, then understand that. Don't don't go in thinking you have it. Make sure that you know if I want it, then it eliminates maybe two other plans and makes two other plans only the two that's going to that's right. So if that's characteristic number one, what's the second one? Flexibility. Uh, how much can you contribute and for what purpose? Um, so, again, looking at um, 529 plans, Coverdale Education Savings Account, they give you a little bit of flexibility because you got some control with them. 
uh, probably more with a 529 than others. But those are things to consider. Just what can I do with that money? Can I use it for myself? What kind of penalties are there for doing so? What are the tax implications and things like that? You know, flexibility is critical because if you've got a child that, you know, everybody says, well, my kid's going to get to be able to, to get a scholarship. And they're all planning for that. And then it doesn't happen. This is that flexibility that you can say, yes, I can do this. Or if they get it and they say they've got a full ride to the greatest volleyball player in the world and they, everything's paid for, did I lose my money? Did mm-hmm. I save all this money and I can't touch it? Or can I can I use it for my – as long as it's education, you talk about that, a 529 plan, you, you have that flexibility. As right. long as it's education, you can use the money. Another thing is uh, you hear a lot about prepaid tuition plans. And the prepaid tuition plans, generally, they're going to have to be used for that specific state. And so if the child wants to go somewhere else, well, then now you're going to run into some Well, then you've lost control and you've lost flexibility. What's the next thing that you would tell people to be looking for? Taxation. Uh, Again, are are any of the contributions tax deductible? Sometimes they are at a state level. Uh, Is the money growing to grow tax deferred? And can you get it out tax-free? And if you, again, don't use it necessarily for education because you want flexibility, right? what kind of penalties are there for that? So you need to pay attention to the tax liability that you may be creating in a plan. Yes. And, and so if you've got, if your control is a, is a need and flexibility is a need, then are you willing to give up taxation mm-hmm. issues? So a great characteristic that you're looking for. Just being available, I mean, being aware and making things available that you're trying to put through that program is what you're talking yes. about. When you talk to these, uh, these uh, high schools, are they asking questions about these characteristics? Are they, do they understand the importance of these characteristics? Or are most people just kind of oblivious to it? Oblivious. You know, why is that? What have you, I know you do a lot of this. So why is that? Is it just because it's going to happen or are they planning? I, I think that what happens most of the time is we'll get to it. We'll get to it down the road. They and by call the t- that. A, they have a word for that. <laughs> for my, mother, my mother and my wife says I'm very good at that. It's called procrastination. And then when it comes Can to the time. Can you get a degree in procrastination? <laughs> you know, I might have a master's. <laughs> I could have a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're talking about. So we're talking about these characteristics. What's another characteristic? Financial aid. And what I mean by that is some of these accounts will count against you for financial aid purposes. So, again, I, I just keep referencing 529 because they're popular. We get asked those questions right. a lot. But a, a 529 plan is considered an asset to the parent. So, so it that, would go against it, it if goes, you were looking for financial aid and you have a 529 plan. Yes. that would. Uh, that's something that somebody needs to be paying attention with. Right. So, so it's going to count against I know you. you mentioned earlier that if you had cash in an account and back to 2008, that would go against you if you were looking. But not life insurance, not a 401k plan, not an annuity, things like that. So they need to be paying attention if they're holding that cash for something that's a reason for it. That's right. Good point. Good point. All right. Number five. Growth and accumulation, which really ties to your time horizon. Again, I was mentioning a little while back whether do I have a long runway or do I have a short runway. Mm-hmm. So if I have a long runway, you can take on a little bit more risk inside some of those plans, you know, if you're going to put them in investments. Uh, you got shorter runway, you probably want to have a little less risk. If you start planning, when you see, you know, that mom comes in and says, hey, look here, we're, <laughs> we're going to have a baby, that's a long runway. That's a long, if is. the kid's graduating and they said, I'm going to college, that's a short runway. Very short. And it does change your investment. It does change what you need to do. That's a great point we need to be making. And finally, what's the last thing? 
Estate planning, this gets back into um, some of the things that you put into these accounts. They may count against you from a gift tax perspective. And that's just something to talk to your uh, CPA about, somebody to give you tax advice. If I put money into these accounts, you know, what kind of effect? What kind of have? effect does it have on me? Well, that's right. a great point. I think that's so, you know, summarize for me, because I know, again, you're involved in this. If you would like Derek to come and speak to your organization, telephone number 757-5757. Talk about really the whole idea of college, saving for college or saving on the cost of college. Two great subjects. Derek, how would you summarize all this? This is so much information. I would say the moral of the story here is if you can start early. Do so. If that's your wish and you want to help your kids pay for college, you don't want them to go in debt. If indeed, or that's trade what they want. school. Or trade school, absolutely. Um, if that's an option. Uh, again, the market's created a void for that. Good earnings in those career fields. So that could be a, a route as well. But if you can start early and your goal is to go to a you know a university, four-year university to get a degree, you know, get started early. Kind of like uh, we did. The other thing is on the backside, there's planning you can do there too. So don't assume that just because I've got a funding gap, you still can't do some planning to lower your costs. Well, if you just tuned in, Derek Bailey, Shoemaker Financial, 757-5757, saving for college or saving on the cost of college. You might want to give him a call if you've got some issues that you're thinking about. Maybe you just saw that the fact is there's an ultrasound. We're pregnant. you got a long runway. Do it. Do it. Don't wait. Well, that's the key. You know, this has been, of course, a great program. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you being a part of the program. As always, we try to bring something that is interesting to you, and it's about our city. Thank you so much. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative, and Derek Bailey is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 